remember the ads back then of like, um, hi, my name's Jeremy. I'm 42, 32, seven, uncut. <laughs> <laughs> the things in like LA Weekly glances. Remember that yeah. section glances? Me, red Miata, waving you, no shirt in front of Mickey's. <laughs> <laughs> Me, Red Miata, you looking like an effeminate Edward James Holmos. I waved. You turned away. I honk, you wave. You have a pitted face. But still cute. Looks good on you, though. When we decided to do this podcast, we were told, your funeral. <laughs> we ignored the naysayers and carried on. And here we are, now the number one rockers forever. Welcome to Ear and Loathing, episode 48. <laughs> uh, so I am joined by my pals, the Gitmo Bros. And uh, why don't we check in with a fellow that we like to call the media darling of Ear and Loathing. Say hello. Hi, I'm uh, George White, and this is um, this is episode 48, and I'm going to both you know is still, when I look in your eyes, I still go crazy. <laughs> <laughs> Which is why we do audio only. That's right. That's right. We can't stop gazing upon each other. <laughs> can't. <laughs> still gets me every time. <laughs> he is the North Star. He's my North Star. He's George's North Star. He's the new Crest's North Star. Why don't you say hello? Baringa! I went to a fight and a hockey game broke out. <laughs> Thank you. Chestnut roasting on an open fire. Hi, guys. Hi there. Hey, dudes. hey, what's up? Hi there. Well, you know what's funny, funnier than, than that old chestnut is George is in the torture chamber. I've been waiting for this day. <laughs> But and so George is going to um, uh, talk us through a fun, a couple fun activities. But first, we have to get the passcode from a, a guy, a little, uh, a strange little uh, grimy, greasy hillbilly, <laughs> and he's going to give us the passcode. And here it is. Hi there. Welcome to Kibitz Corner. <laughs> Thanks, Clem. Just getting mm. getting right to the point. <laughs> Appreciate it. Ushering us into the Kibitz Corner, and George now takes over for your enjoyment. Hi, um, so uh, I'm introducing a new, new segment. Uh oh, this uh, this episode. Um, it's called "We Wrote the Songs," and mm. it is a chance for any Gitmo, me in this case, to showcase songs that they wrote in the past that they want to oh. open for discussion and dissection, comment, whatever. Something out of your past, um, a song that you wrote. And you could play it live if you want to. I'm not playing it live. I have a recording of it. And Guy Langostino was kind enough to, um, to do a theme song for us. So <laughs> let's hear it. <laughs> now, I'm just, think, I'm just getting into like multiverse layers here. Is, yep. Can we do a future episode of We Wrote the Songs where Guy talks about the theme song for We Wrote the Songs? Because I'm he assuming he wrote it. 
There's a story behind it, of course. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he, he did not write this song. It's, it's sort of a, it's a parody. You'll see. Okay. Uh, so starting with the, the theme song. Here we go. Here we go. Take it away, guy. editing had to be done you know guys i got one take out of him yeah <laughs> guys in and out guys in and out he he does one take he's expensive so you know it's all i could afford that's that uh, was beautiful can you please thank stuff. him on behalf of the get mo bros i will he's i will bro. thank guy next time i see him he's a pro <laughs> he's a total pro i like the idea of this george like we've uh for almost 50 episodes we've been uh, talking a lot of shit yeah and uh you know yeah. Uh, and we all also then said, oh, we're musicians, got a lot of experience playing shows and writing songs and making yeah. records. Yeah. No, never putting it up. Never putting it up, the, the cocks on the line. No. And so uh, I will I will put mine out here first. The bravery. Um, yeah. <laughs> well, and this is, um, this is from uh, the legendary, of course, shady character known to fans as Shad Shad Carr. And this is the 1986 recording of Bitch of Berlin. <laughs> Bitch of Berlin. <laughs> and we can discuss, you guys can ask questions about what uh, what it was. I, I participated in writing this song, particularly the lyrics. Um, this is not me on the drums. I was unable to get that demo, but this is a demo they did after I was uh, not in the band anymore. Someone else playing drums, but these are my drum parts um, that I... Uh, that I came up with. So this is not you singing either. This is this is it's not because you were the drummer in that act, right? So Correct. you wrote the I was lyrics. the drummer okay. in the act, but I did write this tune and uh, have this bingo in the band, right? And, yeah, bingo, Kevin, Russ, and uh, a bass player whose name was Ben, and the drummer at this time is named Byron, and I was the drummer at the time we wrote the song. But so gotcha. This is the bitch of Berlin. I warn you that um, it's about five minutes long, and uh, especially in the open, you're going to feel that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So uh please roll re, please roll the bitch and um and I invite all comments and criticisms and questions and and whatever. BOB Bitch of Berlin. <laughs> is it about Ava Braun? Uh, it is not. I will tell you the story. Is it uh, about Ava Bob? It's not. <laughs> it's about it's about a girl that I uh that I was uh, seeing at the time named Heidi who was German. Um oh. and uh it's kind Petitular of titular BOB. The titular B.O.B. And I'd also been I'd either studying in college or reading about um, post-World War I um, Germany. Lift. 
<laughs> and yeah, 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 exactly. Well, in Cabaret, and I'd seen the movie Cabaret maybe in film class. And so I was interested in that. I don't know. And I combined the two things and, and it's just, here we go. <laughs> All right. Bitch of Berlin from what, Shadkar, you said? Shady, Shady character. character. Shady Bitch character. of Berlin. All right. <laughs> Very blondie intro. Oh, okay. One way or another. Yeah, right? yeah. I guess so. I I didn't never thought of it that way, but already a good comment. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Aaron, have you heard this one before? Yeah, I think I've heard the. You have the heard bitch the bitch before. Okay, I didn't even know I if you so, had yeah. or not. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then wh- remind me what years this is. Eighty six. Okay. Cool. Yeah. This is, is it, it's at this point you go, are they going to keep doing this? Yeah. Well, I was just, I was imagining like you guys were setting it up. So like when you're doing it live and, and your lead singers is walking around and giving high fives at the fans and Correct. stuff, you just got to let this flow it, out. It, exactly what it is. Yeah. He's taking a knee. Any parties tonight? Exactly. Exactly <laughs> what that is. Anybody out there from Pittsburgh? Any Germans in the crowd? Handing out those buttons. <laughs> you get a shad car button. You get a shad. You don't get a shad car button. <laughs> Okay, tell me those lyrics. <laughs> and by the way, a uh, visual coming your way right now if you check your oh, phones. Okay. <laughs> oh, is this Shady Character? Yes, this is Shady Character. Two, two incarnations of Shady Character. <laughs> is that you? Uh, yes, that's me. As the, yeah. as the Dr. The, uh, Fink character? Yeah, you were sort of a Dr. Fink thing. Yes, the doctor, yes. I was Dr. C is what I was uh, known as, yes. Doctor's outfit. Yeah, there you go. And by the way, we're not joking. We are dead serious here. Dead serious. I like the kitty cats. In the, you have a kitty cat. In yeah, there. yeah. There's, there's a kitty cat in the studio, apparently, that Russ picked up. I don't remember that, but whose cat it was. Maybe the, the photographers? Who knows? Little known fact, that's where Marlon Brando got the idea to pick up the cat in Godfather. <laughs> a lot was from of people Shady don't Character. Know they don't yeah. know that. Um, uh, uh, Damon, those lyrics were, she used to be a dancer, but now she's just a face. At the cabaret, fishnets and lace. <laughs> okay. <laughs> is, is there any accuracy, like having to do with with uh with Heidi or well so what what you just wanted to call her a bitch no so <laughs> I I this was um you know she and I used to party and stuff and and I would and we always drank champagne and you know we were goofing around and I was probably chase not chasing her around but I said come here you Amazon Berlin bitch is what Ooh. I said to her like as a George play- did she ever call you the butthole from Burbank <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> she did not, and nor did she write a song about it. But I said it playfully, you know, yeah. like that. And then, right. and then, uh, somehow, for after reading about cabaret and all the things that I just told you, I put those things together. You know, plus the you know the the cachet of trying to get laid, where you tell someone I wrote a song about you. Did yeah. you call me a bitch in it? Yeah, but that's what's cool. <laughs> <laughs> so yes, that's the bitch of Berlin. I meant female dog. Whoops. <laughs> no, I didn't. All right, so here we go. She used to be my baby. Is that what that said? Yeah, she used to be my baby. Yeah, used to be my baby. And this, I will tell you this. So from so this chorus, it used to this idea because some of Russ's lyrics are some of these things that he put in after I wrote the original, and it it started off as uh, the original chorus was she used to be my lover, she's all right. Uh, She used to be undercover, now she runs with the night, and. And he took that as an espionage kind of thing. He gave so he gave that feeling to it, and that's right. Earlier, he said in the lyric before this, he said she used to be undercover. Oh, <laughs> so he took the espionage idea and took it out of the chorus and put it into somewhere else. And so here's the chorus. Yes, coming up. But this is the pre-chorus. Is there a double entendre about undercovers, like in bed under the sheets? With For you? sure, that's what I meant. Okay. <laughs> cool. Yeah. And everybody, hey, kids, I want you to know, listening, I, I know the kids love our show. This is before the wall came down. Yeah, yeah exactly. Uh, exactly. It's a different Three world years. that we're in. Yeah, let's Three paint years. the picture of the global. Uh, I don't mean to be Tom Brokaw on you guys, uh, you kids, but uh, yeah. it's a different time. I'm just <laughs> saying that, you know, this, is, this isn't this is a song just about sex, okay? This is, you know, <laughs> no. this is a political message here. <laughs> George is playing three-dimensional chess. Post-World War I Germany. <laughs> when, he, when he shook hands with George Bush, he was getting in his ear, feeding him some propaganda. She used to be my baby. She's all right. <laughs> wow. Uh, so, oh, wow, you were in World War II, sir? Great. Yeah, I, w- I wrote The Bitch of Berlin. <laughs> <laughs> Best generation, huh? <laughs> All right. So, moving on here. Oh, I was going to ask you, would would you say that you guys were mostly influenced? Yeah. Knowing my limited sort of exposure to hard rock, yeah. mm-hmm. um, I'm I'm hearing either Motley Crue or Rat. In yeah, here. rat, heavily rat. Like that's okay. the, yeah, that's, that's what sounds, sounds ratty like. to me. Yeah. Very ratty. And Ru- Russ and I both loved rat. And there was, there's another song. I, maybe I'll play it at a later date. There was a, a song we stole uh, directly from Lay It Down. Um, that was, that we did later, but it's very much rat. And then in anything that Rick Scully's in to me has Judas Priest in it. The grinding, mm. always the constant grinding. That's the the sound. Some there's some of that in there too. Chuk, 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 yep. Chuk, chuk, yeah. Yep. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Here we go. Got to do that. You got to do that. Yeah, yeah you do. All you right. Have to. The response. All right. <laughs> right out of the Doc and handbook. <laughs> the song's not finished unless you put a couple all rights in there. No, oh, no, of course not. <laughs> Or tonight. Undercover. 
this isn't completely out of like new way like the new wave realm either. That's the way it was sort of funny to me is that is that I didn't we did did not mean it to be that way at all. And also when you look at these pictures of us, nobody has long hair and we almost look more like a new wave band than yeah. we would than we yeah, do. You look like you guys are all it's it's like Berlin without uh Terry Nunn. Right. Or, uh, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. <laughs> it's just not it's trying to be glam rock, but just like right. not long enough hair. And it's just not <laughs> Yeah, you guys didn't want to totally commit you had an other kind of straight life going on. Right. Well, like, you. like if you said, if you look at these pictures and, and heard this song, and not the song really, but if you saw these pictures, you went, yeah, these guys sound like Duran Duran. You would probably believe us. Like, <laughs> <laughs> you're gonna have to share one of those photographs online, uh, George. Yes, yes, I will. I, I have before. I, I can't remember. I, they're on Facebook somewhere, but there's there's a whole photo session of these things that are just it's it's it's, it's ridiculous. More than Bitch this. Berlin. <laughs> <laughs> She's just a sin. <laughs> yeah, she is. That's Heidi for you. Let's hear four more minutes of this. <laughs> yeah. I'm also assuming, given that it's from 1986, yeah. we're listening to a digitized version of a cassette. Yes, correct. That was probably yeah. sitting in a closet for 27 years? Probably, yeah. Yeah, I don't. <laughs> Rick, Rick sent Rick sent this to me. I asked everybody. I'm still looking for some. I wanted to play some other songs besides this one that are, believe it or not, funnier. And <laughs> and uh, and I, I, I can only find this one. And I'm going to – I have the cassette in my garage. I have to find it. And this one, by the way, this was – you know, the second incarnation of this where we had already done a demo with me and, you know, in, in sort of a, you know, half-ass 16-track thing. Like, this was paid for and I think produced by a guy named Lerald Rubin, who sounds German to me. <laughs> Lerald? Lerald. It's like the cross between Daryl and Larry? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Daryl and, and Harold. Lerald. Lerald. Oh, there's a D Lerald. The I thought it was Lerald. But I wasn't in the band when they did <laughs> this. No so, but they did. They, uh, but, but this was produced by like, a, they went and did a, like a proper demo, like in a studio and paid for it. And yeah, it sounds big. And, sounds big and, big and, yeah. and bossy. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. More of the bitch, baby. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Got a blitzkrieg. Oh wait, wait till you hear right? what comes next. All right, <laughs> she was around. Is that what you said? She was around during the blitzkrieg. Blitzkrieg. Yeah. All right. Right, let me speak to that a little bit. So, okay. so when, so I'd put that, I'd put that line in there about swastikas because when I'm reading about World War One, that 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 symbol meant something else before Hitler took it over and made it into what it was. Yeah, and the. And I and, and and now it now it just comes off. Or even then came off because I was talking to Russ about it. That was he was our singer. I was talking to him about it a few days ago, and he goes, he was working for some producer. I think a guy named Tony OK. I forget. Mm -hmm. That sounds good. Yeah. yeah. And he's working for Tony OK, and like Tony OK's listening to this, and he's like, I don't get it. Are you guys racist? Why are you putting swastika in here? What are you, what are you doing? Why does it say swastika? <laughs> it's so. <laughs> here we go. Rolling in a minute three. 
like it. Did shady character get any nibbles from the industry? Not, no, I mean, no. I, you know, later on, later on, this is, I only played, you know, I was there for the beginning of the band. I only played one show. And then, um, yeah, later on, they got some, you know, the famous, famous in quotes things. So they, the third demo tape they did was with um, Howard Benson, who like went, went on to like produce Bang Tango and other bands that you you know, you guys probably haven't heard of, but bands that had deals in the, in the, you know, and had records out in the eighties. And then the most, the last thing that happened was, and which is sad, I'm sure you guys have heard this, or maybe Aaron has that the, towards the end when Kevin quit and it was just bingo, Russ and Ben and Byron, um, they were doing another demo and Hillel Slovak was so down in his luck and strung out and kicked out of the peppers that he played on their demo for like $300 so he could get a, get a, get a hit. <laughs> oh, geez. Yeah. And, but just so they have a demo with Hillel on it, you know, towards very much to I me. Mean, I think he was dead six weeks later or something or, you know, but yeah, that was, so they had some, I don't know, but they're never, I don't think there, we'd have to ask Bingo if there's any real serious label kind of interest I, I don't think so you just killed the mood worse than aaron on the day of the play i did hillel's dead they found him <laughs> dude <laughs> oh boy all right here we go back to the bitch <laughs> So did was Heidi ever like in the show like pumping her fist and singing the chorus of Bitch of Berlin? Do you know or no? I only played one show with them, so and she was not at that show. Uh, she wasn't at that show, so yeah. Oh, so, no. but did she ever know about this? Oh yeah, she... oh yeah. I told her about it and everything, and that was a funny thing because and it was funny to her because I called her Amazon Berlin bitch um, previous to this, and that was a joke between us and. I mean, I don't know how many times she heard this song, but she definitely knew it existed. Yes. All right. And if I if I if I could if I could do some self critique, um, one of the problems with this song is the pre-chorus is pretty good. The chorus just goes nowhere. <laughs> <laughs> the pre-chorus is all right with the all rights and the undercover. That's all okay. But then the, she's just a sin bitch. It doesn't. That's all it says. It doesn't go anywhere. Yeah, because you don't want to have a catchy chorus. No, you don't want. That's not what people want. <laughs> it's light on melody, but big on rock. <laughs> that's uh, yeah, as Rat was. <laughs> yeah, not a lot of not a lot of uh, uh, variation, but it's rocking. It's it's very much rocking you. Not a not a lot of dynamic. Yes, <laughs> I think the formula for hit songwriting is when it comes to the chorus, leave them wanting more. <laughs> <laughs> Do not lead with your best thing. <laughs> it's hook adjacent. <laughs> <laughs> I, right. I like the, I like the energy of it and stuff, and I think it would be fun as hell to do it. I, I yeah, it, the thing it keeps bothering me, like you just said, George, where like you want it to like okay that you need to go. There needs there's a moment that's just cut out of it. It seems right. It's, like, well, it's a lot of pre-chorus leading up to it, and it doesn't quite do it like you want it to 
you're almost looking for it to like do a, like a drastic key change in the middle of it or something. Right. Uh, yeah. To well, signal, signal a chorus or some reprieve from the right. nugs. Right. We, uh, when Bingo and I, in fact, were joking about this last night at rehearsal and truth about, about, about Shadkar was that Russ and I did the majority of the writing and between us, we were a half of a guitar player. <laughs> like I didn't play any instruments except the drums. I could write lyrics and I had an idea of melody, I guess. And Russ sort of played guitar and could write lyrics and sing. And then it never when went then when the band got involved, when Kevin or or uh, or Rabingo got involved, it never turned into something. It always kind of stayed where. Russ and I had it. Maybe it got a little bit, but it never, you know, no, it never matured past that. You're short a Beatles fan. That's what it, it was. It, That's it, all. <laughs> Missing a Beatles fan. It's very critical that at least one person cares deeply about the Beatles in every band, even if they keep it quiet to the rest of the lads. Yeah, and yeah, and nobody in, in this band cared about the Beatles. <laughs> They're like, yeah, cool, right? Yeah, the guys, those dudes. Cool, the Beatles. Yeah. So about Poison now. They listened to Penny Lane. And went too catchy. Nope. <laughs> Not interested. <laughs> so let's spin it. Where are we spin at? It. Spin it. Four more go. minutes. Let's go. Oofed up. If we needed more of that, <laughs> like this, I think it's Kevin and lead guitar, not not Bingo. I think, um, but we we just didn't need to go the bam. We didn't need to do that again. We should have gone right into the pre-chorus again and out. Yeah, <laughs> we did not need to restart this song. Um, but I didn't find anything wrong with that solo. I thought it was quite nice. Yeah, very of, of the of the time. Yeah, yeah of the time. It's fucking yeah, rocking. And also, I will say that like sonically, this this sounds great for a fucking. Uh, my mom is helping me with some money kind of demo. Right. You know that's what I mean? What it like, yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's just, that's, that's like, there's nothing easy about making demos back then. No, it was at a all. huge, huge pain. Yeah. And, it, and an expensive, pri- pri- you know, you, you ever, you went into the studio, you did fucking, you had to do the work, do it, do it, do it. It was fucking hard, man. It, it, <laughs> and expensive as hell. And this sounds expensive, especially like without a caveat, there's no like, uh, ex, you know, no, like you know, uh, asterisk in it. It sounds expensive, especially for the time, and you know, that well, you guys are paying for it. No, no, it's 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 good. It's good you said this because that because probably me being out of the band was the 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 best thing that could have happened to them because because <laughs> one Byron was a much better drummer than me. <laughs> guys and doing two, great. Yeah, and two and and oh, By, Byron ended up being like in um what was that band um the guy from high school was in it with me um. Possum Dixon. Remember Possum Dixon? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah, Byron was a drummer in Possum Dixon and went on the road and everything. And he's, you know, not that we aren't we're all real musicians, but Byron was really, you know. And, but also his mom had a lot of dough and paid for all this stuff too. I think paid right, for yeah. this demo and the next one. And so hmm. that worked out great for them. So, Aaron, you're right on point that they had a benefactor, which was Byron's mom. 
Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. you need that. You need that. Yeah. yeah. You know, you got no backing. You got no <laughs> management. Songs. You got nothing. You got no got songs. Got no, no talent. Yeah. What's the bitch in Berlin? You got no songs. You got no backing. <laughs> <laughs> I will say, George, that honestly, I would rather listen to this than a lot of the torture songs, you know, <laughs> or, or songs from those bands that, that yeah. we've tortured, you know, whether it's uh, Buns, Motley Crue. We've often, we've often, I've been joked with Bingo and I'll go like, you know, I mean, it's like, you know, we were, we, we, could we have made it and maybe were we any worse or better than anyone else out there? Probably somewhere in the middle. And could we have made it? And, and we always say, yeah, if we did, and I'm pretty sure one of us would be dead by now, would have been <laughs> dead from it. Just right. We would have been dead yeah. at 22 years old or whatever. Like, you know, <laughs> sad reality. Yeah, probably. Such anyway. of life. Yeah. So. Uh, let's finish the bitch here. <laughs> okay. You realize we have like almost two minutes left. No, I know. <laughs> you you had to pick your uh, uh, shady character's stairway to heaven. It's the only one I could get. I have others okay. <laughs> that are funnier, but I couldn't get it. And, you, and you, the, I love that the segment couldn't wait. Maybe <laughs> maybe in a future episode. Maybe in a future. I'm so excited. I'm so excited. <laughs> I think this is going to come together nice. I do. <laughs> Are you kidding me? This was my this was my kids coming up. What am I gonna do? Wait? No, I can't. I think that it's a hot idea right now. I was talking to Heidi on Facebook, and she really wanted. To... <laughs> oh my god, it's coming up! <laughs> All right, here we go. <laughs> Any lyrics of interest you want to shed light on for us? <laughs> yeah, I did. I like been been between her legs before I know how she felt. I like that ending. That that stuff. Uh, not much of that was mine. That that was mostly Russ right there. That that stuff. So I don't I don't have much to say about that other than I did not sanction it. <laughs> you were more into talking about swastikas. I was yeah, I was more I was more on the politics <laughs> side of this guy. So it was more of the swastika cabaret stuff, as I explained about post World War. Russ was into into the Blitzkrieg and 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 torn and, dresses, sorry. pistols. Yeah. <laughs> it sounds you like know, Russ got a piece of Heidi himself. Yeah, I, I don't think he did, but uh, he was yeah. into espionage, so. <laughs> <laughs> uh. All right, here we go. That's where it is, right there. That's that should be the outro of the chorus, and you just skipped over the chorus. You're, she's my baby. She right, yeah. drive me crazy. <laughs> she's a bitch about air. Mm. <laughs> no sin, sin after sin. And then you, <laughs> oh, you were there when you were writing. <laughs> just missing the middle chunk. <laughs> just an edit. Fix it. It's easy. Yeah.
We could do it now. We should go back and remix this. That's the problem. This needs to be remixed. That's it. Someone call Byron's mother. Maybe she wants to pay for a remix. <laughs> right, slip me a five spot. Get this thing done. Let's get this thing done. You know, let's get, let's get Shep Pettibone. That's right. Shep Pettibone. Right, I think that the, I think this just uh, I think this just it, it just fades keep, out. It, it keeps on going, bitch of Berlin. I think. Let's hear it a little more. All right. It's forty-two seconds. Okay. Well, we can we can stomach that. All right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Rush should have vamped that out. I'm sure it's fun as shit to play. Big and big and fucking rad and fun to be, you know. I love it. I love that, you know, like I've said it before about fucking, you know, metal and heavy, heavy stuff is that I I've just I'm I'm so in love with the fact that it's irony free. Like it, yeah, it, yo, totally. Dead serious. You know, like like the pictures. Like, Dead serious. It's serious and like the fans are fucking serious about it and it's so adorable about metal. And you know, people just don't think of metal as adorable. And I, I think that they should because it's awesome. It's yeah. they're, they're not they don't think it's fucking funny. Like it's fucking time to rock. Well, <laughs> you know? no, it's, oh, totally. it's I, rad. I, I like that about heavy stuff. It makes me happy that it exists. No, and I, I like I, a lot I, of it. I, I've uh, you make a good point that I've uh, that from the beginning of you know the guys that are Steel Panther now, mm-hmm. yeah, you know, and from the beginning, you know, they used to be like Metal Shop and Atomic sh- Punks. Well, Atomic Punks, that at least that was a serious serious Van Halen, but right. then they became Metal Shop and other, and they just they were doing it as a joke, and and I remember going to see them and being confused. And that was like twenty years ago when they were Metal Shop, and I'm like, huh, why why is this funny? I don't what. And then Steel Panther is still, they're doing it as a joke, and now they've become like a regular band where people love the joke of it. <laughs> right. Well, yeah, the irony is cut short. Now they can just have funny lyrics that are not like taking themselves seriously. No. But there's nothing jokey about the presentation. No. Except for like the patter, you know what I mean? So like, yeah, you're right. It has become this other thing. and. I'm happy. Like that's great for them. Yeah. Like they open for Guns N' Roses and stuff now. Like what? <laughs> yeah, they're fucking quality, quality entertainers. Like I'm always very impressed by people who are. There's other. There's a ton of those bands in L.A. And there's Fast Times. Where there were some buddies oh, right, of mine. Right. They played. Yeah. They played all the time. And beautiful guys. Great fucking players and just great showmen. And it was very much in the speed of uh, Steel Panther. Steel Panther. Yeah. 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 A lot anyway, of those bands. That's the bitch, fellas, and uh, that's the new segment. <laughs> We wrote the songs, and I invite you. We wrote you the to, songs. I invite you to, you know, participate. You know, some someday if you'd like to, you know, pick the this up. The egomaniacs on this pod. I'm stunned that it hasn't come to this yet. Right. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's a. It's miraculous that it took 48 apps for this to yeah. happen. Play something of you of yours from the past, or play something right. live on the air. I don't know. Get grab a guitar, play us something. You know. <laughs> I have a collection of my acoustic pieces. Yeah, yeah. My <laughs> guitar is sitting right next to me. I, yeah. yeah, I wrote I wrote this song about the economy. I want to play it for you guys. <laughs> well, Damon, you went through a singer-songwriter period, didn't you? 
Yeah, he's still in it. Sure. You could play us lots of stuff. Yeah, I am still in it. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, no, I, I like a lot of my songs. I don't like a lot of my songs, but but there's a few that I could I could whip out as a as a we wrote the song segment for sure. Sure, feel free, but I. Uh... Thank you for indulging me. <laughs> well, I appreciate you ripping the seal off of a, of a new fun seg. Yeah. So, but it it does beg the question. I think I'm going to direct this towards Aaron. Yes. Because I know we, you were texting me this morning. Mm-hmm. And well, we yeah, were about a few things. You were, yeah, a couple of two tree things. But the one <laughs> that was, I think, might be relevant here is you were wondering what was George and Bingo and Byron and the boys doing in 1986? Like, I, <laughs> yeah, were right. they, were they at that point? Yeah. If they were in a band, what was it called? And, and if they wrote songs, what were those called? And so now do you feel like we've scratched that itch for you? No, I know that we have. <laughs> I have my answer. I have my answer. Mikey gets it. <laughs> He gets the bitch. He's European. <laughs> oh, dude, Michael Caine? You kidding me? He, he was in like Ipocris Files and shit. Yeah, he was he gets singing songs. Like she was this a, a, a co star. Totally gets it. He's had, <laughs> yeah. he had, he had to bed some some Fraulein, dude. I'm enemy <laughs> lines. I'm enemy Frauleins. I've um, I've you know tried to you know uh, you know distract you guys with my. F- Funny metal songs. But including sabotaging my computer. And truly sabotage right. your computer. Jesus, and, boy, did you try. But I must face the music now, literally. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Here we. Here it comes. Get down there. Torture chain. Okay, I'm not going to bullshit you, okay? I don't really give a good fuck what you know or don't know. But I'm going to torture you anyway. Suffering. Well, 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 George, down in the torture chamber with your (laughs) U-boat. So I figured it out, I believe. So last episode, it was Clint Holmes and uh, Creed, correct? Yes. And I went first. And Yeah. So Aaron, I I believe you have to torture George first today. All right. This is a... I'm going to, I'm going to, in the spirit of what George is doing, I'm going to, I'm going to do my version of this a bit differently. Nothing differently for you guys, but, uh, it'll do a little heavier stuff up top. So, uh, yeah. Are you, are you ready for, for, uh, for your torture, George? I mean, I'd uh, like to give you that. As ready uh, as I'll ever be. <laughs> and ask you anyways. Yeah, no, I, I think that we should do it. And, uh, I, I guess the, um, the prep work I'll do on this is, uh, <laughs> this comes from the, what madness sounds like true madness department like the insanity <laughs> and and i'm gonna and i'm gonna like i say i'm gonna upload a, a little bit of this uh, up front here uh this is a song by by an act 1960 called mm. the four preps p-r-e-p-s preps the four preps okay. it's called down by the station now I'm going to give you some stuff up front just to put this in a little bit of context. The four preps were an American popular music male quintet, 50s, 60s, and 70s. And the group had eight gold singles, three gold albums, five million selling signature singles. That's in quotes. And and those are, I know Damon knows at least one of these. Uh, 26 miles across the sea, sea. Santa Catalina is waiting for me. Um, There's that song. Then there's a song called Big Man. This song called Lazy Summer Night. And then this song is Down by the Station. Now, vibe-wise, my guess is that um, 
the uh, Christopher Guest film Mighty Wind, people like this were being referenced in it. <laughs> is my take. Sort of, this is like a, a you know uh, a very very corny like corny corny group of four dudes, four honkies singing with crew cuts. <laughs> now the song they're singing was written in 1948. And it was written by two guys who are not in the band. This is like a traditional song, Paul Mills and, and Slim Gillard. Now, <laughs> listen here. Now, here's where it gets different. Now, the simple way to listen to this song is to take the narrator's word for it. The story is about a guy who meets a girl in a train station and he flirts with her. Suddenly, the story skips to their meeting. He's meeting another girl in a malt shop. He hits on her. Then it skips to the next day where the same guy is in a drugstore now and he freaks out because he sees what he thinks of those two girls talking and he believes that they're probably talking about him. And so he leaves. Then what does he do? He goes to a train station to catch a train out of town. While he's there, he starts flirting with another chick who tells him to get out of town. He's not putting up with his stuff. Now you could believe it. You can believe what he says, but here's what I'm saying because I hear what he's saying. And there's a few key lines in this song that make me believe this. And I want to tell you what I think before it even starts so that you have this in your mind. Okay. I believe that this song is being told from the point of view of a serial killer. (laughs) (laughs) He's killing these girls (laughs) and eventually leaving town by train. So that's what this is. And I'm going to send you the lyrics too, but start the song and then I'll send you the lyrics just so you can follow along because it's a song from 1960 and it's not going to be super easy to understand the lyrics uh, in the way we do this. Everyone will know on the recording. It'll be fine. This is a 48 hours documentary. Dude, I'm telling you. <laughs> old, I'm telling you. old case. <laughs> when he's when he's imagining they're talking to each other, he actually just has their heads like posted around his his mom's basement. Yeah, in a bowling he, bag. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He pulls a string and moves their jaw up and down so they can talk. Well, what's funny about that is this, Damon. Thank you for bringing it up. I believe that the four preps are him and the three voices in his head. (laughs) So he's singing tight harmony with these other voices. Okay. And I want you to think about it in those terms and how he skips from issue to issue like a person would if they were trying to cover up something. So let's, I sent you the lyrics. This is down by the station by the four preps. And so like, again, because they're the four preps and because I just said what I said, I think that they should have called themselves the four perps. Professional broadcasting <laughs> for the four preps. Perps. Here we go. Let's hear this lurid tale. <laughs> Down by the station early in the morning, met a little girl about as cute as she could be. Turned on my charms and told her that I loved her Said that she would always be the number one for me She... <laughs> number one, the first kill. Right. <laughs> right. Isn't that... Yeah, like... it's Alouette. It's Alouette and Itsy Bitsy Spider that okay. they just... They liberated <laughs> right. the, the, the two yeah. Okay, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So All that's right. happening too. <laughs> Those guys are thieves. Right. <laughs> And killers. <laughs> yeah, it's these the four the four preps just just grinning ear to ear singing this lurid song that like it's fucking gnarly. <laughs> and of course they don't mean it like this, but I think they do mean it like this. Okay, I'm bring, bring your lyrics up here. There we go. Oh, that's that's a total serial killer. You'll always be my number one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
<laughs> I chopped off your arms and legs, and now you're shaped like a number one. <laughs> you're shaped like a one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like he just he he was at the station and he met a girl and he told her that he loved her. This sounds like madness, right? So then and yes. so like now he's he's just met our number one gal and he's about to move on to number two without telling you what happened to number one. All right, here we go. Now, hold on now. So, first of all, who says shortly thereafter? That sounds like a police blotter. <laughs> and, and, and then he goes, but before that, she goes, he says, she'd always be my number one girl. I said there'd be no number two or three. <laughs> like he's telling himself, we're never fucking going to do this again. I'm not. Gonna Guys, do it. I can't fucking do this. It's one time. Okay, fine. We're murdered. What, what, what can I do? Oh, Got to get fuck. up. Who's that? And the start the day. Who's that? The mulch <laughs> Shut up, Harry. It's his other voice. <laughs> no, we should talk to her. Shut up. <laughs> so sh- play, play from here. Uh, and he's here. He's down at the malt shop shortly thereafter. Look <laughs> <laughs> for number one, and when I didn't see her, told number two she was the only girl for me. Oh, so he's looking over his shoulder. Yeah, he's looking for the other number one, but of course he's never going to see her because she's, she's dead. dead. But yeah. she's in his mind now. There's the thing, and so he and so he does what he does, and like he's done now. Like we're about to change scenes again, right? Right now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. For me. Interlude. Oh my my arch nemesis, the saxophone. <laughs> 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 That's one of the perps playing. Yeah. <laughs> now I want to serial kill somebody. <laughs> the sax guy. <laughs> All right, here we go. Went to the drugstore, nearly lost my life there. I saw my little girlfriend. Kind of odd that he's talking about losing lives. Why did he, yeah. why did he almost lose his life at the drugstore? Well, you're gonna you're gonna hear he's he's thought he saw Oh. The other two girls talking. Now, of course, this is all in his mind, or he sees two girls that aren't the original girls because he's murdered them, <laughs> and he sees two new ones, and he thinks, oh, they're talking about me and fucking my shit up. So he's going to tell you how clever he is, and it's very creepy considering what we've already been talking about. Yes. All right. Friends one and two, standing there together, I knew I was in trouble, but I'm a clever fan. And that's another serial killer trait is thinking that everybody's talking about you. Thinking that everyone's talking about you and that also you're smart enough to fix it. And that, yeah, that's the juice. Yeah, you can outsmart them. It's like this, right. the ultimate narcissism. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. That's our boy. I went on down by the station. So now he goes back to the station. Right. He goes yeah. back to the station where he committed his first murder, at least in this town. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that, that train will travel all over the region. Exactly. Yeah. I was through with women as cute as they could be. But then I saw another girl looking kind of pretty. Said I'm through with one and two. I love you, number three. calls her number three yeah 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 
And so he's he's got names. you know like he's got he's got murdering blue balls because he couldn't do what he wanted to do in the drugstore. He had to bounce right. So now here he is back at the fucking station, and he's hitting on this girl, and now she's about to tell him to kick rocks, and so he's he's screwed. And Literally so he's gonna the scene of the crime. <laughs> right, literally to the scene of the first crime, yeah. and then the song devolves into madness because I think he gets onto the train and just like can't he he can't stop himself now anymore. Like it's just on now. It's a bloodbath now. Because <laughs> <laughs> then the song turns into a nursery rhyme. It's just like that's what it sounds like inside his head at the end. Yeah, he's it's like bleak. Christian Bale in uh... right. It's American Psycho. American Psycho, yeah, exactly. With a with a blonde crew cut. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> What she said to me Just head on down by the station Early in the morning Get yourself a trolley car That goes into the sea I want a love that's true, sir Not a love like you, sir You weren't true to one Until you won't be true to me So she's telling him She or someone is telling him To maybe just kill himself To walk into the ocean But, he, <laughs> right. but he's not going to do that walk off a short bridge yeah. right. Exactly, exactly <laughs> So now, he, now the image to me Is that he just gets on the train And all of this next stuff Which is an actual Which is sort of what The nursery rhyme became Where it's just a cutesy little thing About puffer bellies Which means like the train this, With the smoke coming out Of the round train uh, oh, right. And so he goes to that place So he almost like to decelerate, he goes back to how he was as a child to get on the train and go to the next town, and hopefully he can start to do his thing again in the next town. He might also, like, that kind of, I don't know what you would call it, like, self-encouragement or something. Like, he's the little train that could. Right. The, That's the, a good these, one. two, and three may have foiled me this time, but I'll, I'll kill you in triplicate next time. I'll get one <laughs> through nine at the That's next right. town. Yeah, yeah. I go to mall shops all over this great land. <laughs> it's a movie that I'm surprised hasn't been made, like that takes place. It's like a serial killer in like Mayberry, you know, like perfect town malt shop, da, 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 da. But there's this guy doing this thing, but they don't have any frame of reference for it. They don't. Have, they have no knowledge of it. And like, it's this guy coming in and just rocking the place. And it would be soundtracked with the music of the time that's not meant to sound ominous. But, oh. but to me, I got wrapped up in... I don't know what got me so quickly about this being ominous, but man, it is. I think when he says, I'm a clever fella, I, that bumped me enough to go like, well, what is he, what is that? <laughs> and then I started to imagine like, well, was he a criminal? And then I went, oh shit. And then I thought it was all this. Right. He's outsmarting <laughs> yeah. the, the, the chicks. He's outsmarting the police. He's, he's figured it all out. He thinks. Yeah. And, yeah, and he he's going to kill all the, he wants. Right. He's going right? to kill all he wants. Cause no one, he's smarter than everybody. And plus he knows he's cracked the code that he's just going to get onto another train and go to another town. That'll be equally as unfamiliar yeah. with him and his yeah, ways. Full of Barney fifes. Full of Barney you know, fifes. Like, yeah. Right. Yeah. He, no, no, not going to catch him. They barely have guns. <laughs> yeah. It's a bunch of dudes walking around with letterman's jackets and stuff and, <laughs> and, uh, and racing for pinks. <laughs> yeah, look, look, look out, look out, Shelbyville. The four right. preps are coming. <laughs> we should email this pod, this pod to each other so we can uh, make this movie. Should have a premise <laughs> so, generator. Totally, totally. Uh, so, so let's listen to this song go nuts here, uh, uh, and then we can move on. The, the <laughs> local listening. sheriff uh, said, "Yeah, I was gonna look for that guy that was killing all those young ladies, but I was having a malted at the time." And- <laughs> Boy, it sure was good. (laughs) (laughs) I figure he was white, so uh, (laughs) what the fuck? 
<laughs> I told him move on, and he did. <laughs> oh, God. oh, fucking morons! So yeah, yeah. No, that's uh, this is this is what I really believe about this song too. I'm okay. not just being fancy. <laughs> All right, here we okay. go. Down by the station early in the morning, see the little buffer bellies all in a row. See the station master pull the little handle, chug chug. Oh boy, yeah, he 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 went off the deep <laughs> end at that point. Yeah, he's nuts. He's just staring out the window. What's that hit of metal every on the downbeat? There's a hit of metal. You hear like a spoon. Yeah, I think something? it's like a t- it's like a chime. I think it's odd. <laughs> yeah, sort of a hammer hitting something. His hammer or something. Like a, yeah. <laughs> it might be his weapon of choice. Yeah, that's what I was gonna say. Like some sort of tool. It's yeah. not normally used for going into lady skulls, but uh... a skull a skull cracking ball peen hammer. <laughs> that's, <laughs> right. that's what you're hearing, George. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that guy was first chair murderer. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah. I, at this point, he sounds like with the with the pull the little handle and the chug chug woo woo and all that stuff. He's mm-hmm. just devolving back to childhood to his safe place. Mm-hmm. Exactly. His playground, if you yeah. will. <laughs> yes, his playground in his mind, just to right. like to, to get him, because he's like I say, he's blue balled now because he's been he tried to do the last two and couldn't, so because he got foiled, and so now he's all up in his head, and he has to go to a peaceful place until he can bust out at the next when he's down by the next station in the next town. Yeah, closer to the sea. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because <laughs> then he can get away by boat too. You know. Yes, yes. He's clever. He can dump he's the clever. bodies with some, you know, attached to bricks. That's right. You have to admit, he's pretty clever. (laughs) Very clever. clever. (laughs) All right. Down by the station early in the morning. See the little puffer bellies all in a row. See the station master pull the little handle. Chug, chug. Off they go. Down by the station. It fades out with George's with George's little bling bling. Now and my little hammer. I, what's yeah. <laughs> another interesting thing about this song? So like I think it's a fascinating song through that lens. Uh and I legitimately think it would be an interesting story to tell too. But the other thing I found out is that the original four perps slash preps, <laughs> the original lineup was Bruce Belland. So this was on this nineteen sixty record. Bruce Belland, who knows him? Ed Cobb, who knows him? Marv Ingram, who knows him? Except for maybe Mrs. Ingram. And then a man named Mr. Glenn A. Larson, the the creator of Battlestar Galactica, Magnum P.I., yeah, the fall guy, BJ and the Bear, to name just a few. He was in the act, in the main main original act, Glenn A. Larson. Was he the serial killer, or is he just one of the backup voices in the head? He's one of the voices in the head, I think. And he was getting ideas. Like, so I want you to know, that I came up with this weird idea, and then I was looking at the names, and I was like, you've got to be shitting me, it's Glenn Larson. <laughs> and it just sounds like a crazy movie story or, like, something. It was bizarre to me, but there he is. And I checked, I was it's the Glenn Larson. I went through a link, I double-checked it. Yes, indeed, it was that Glenn Larson. Crazy. What a weird guy anyway. So what's the show, Glenn? Okay, it's about <laughs> a good-looking trucker. Uh, who travels the country. He's just alone in the truck? No, he's with a monkey. Okay, good. <laughs> a chimpanzee and some chesty twins. Perfect. <laughs> 22 apps. Let's do and this. And the monkey's name is Bear. <laughs> I love it even more. BJ and the Bear, we'll call it. Glenn, this show's not going to end with them murdering girls in malt shops, is it? 
No, 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 we just need a very large budget for tube tops and bananas. <laughs> it's funny you bring that up, though. I was in a band called the Four Perps. I mean the preps. <laughs> Freudian slip, and now we'll have to kill you. <laughs> have you seen my hammer collection? <laughs> hey, uh, I may have to kill you. Do you want to go get a malted? Do you need <laughs> something from the, the drugstore? Drug need something from the drugstore? <laughs> Some aspirin? Come with me. We'll, we'll go shop. <laughs> oh, my God. It's oh so creepy. It is. <laughs> so, and also, weren't the Four Preps one of those bands that that the Beach Boys were influenced by? I think so. I think so. The I harmonies, were, those really mm-hmm. you know stacked, layered harmonies. Yeah, it's an Everly Brothers tight, tight, tight stacked harms. Um, I don't know if I'd ever heard that song before. I knew Twenty Six Miles Across the Sea, but like I, I would have just known it as a song that existed. I had no idea about the Four Preps. Turns out that a lot of this guy's songs are are getaway songs. You yeah. know, <laughs> so getting on a train and leaving the the, the 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 horror behind him, heading out to the to the Catalina. One leaving the mainland. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. That's where the body's buried, 26 <laughs> miles below the sea. <laughs> then there's that song, Big Man, where he's like, he's talking about like, oh, big man, think you can catch me? I don't think so. <laughs> right. And, and Glenn is dead. So yeah, you know, right. Yeah. I don't want to besmirch his name, but maybe some of these other lads, maybe should someone dig into their background. No, yeah. there's someone. So I don't think that I'm necessarily that clever to to find this in here. Somebody else knows about this. This guy's a clever guy. He tells you he's a very <laughs> clever guy. He's not like Einstein clever, but he's malt shop clever or drugstore clever, <laughs> which is all you needed to be back then. That's all you needed to be in the fifties. That's it. Especially when you got Barney Fife's running around. It's no, it's no problem. It's not a big problem. <laughs> and and every song is, you know, kind of a, a subconscious admission. Just like, you know, George revealed himself in Bitch of Berlin. Exactly. His, it's a diary his, entry. Yeah. His yeah, inner child well. came out. And sure. then so and this the the four perps guys, same thing. Um <laughs> did the did the four did the four preps did they play instruments or just sing? They just sang. But they were, but but they they were also the band for the entire run of Ozzy and Harriet when Ricky had his band. Oh right, it was them. They oh. were the TV band. So if anybody ever wanted to see them, see Glenn Larson and all his young glory. Oh, what playing instruments? Yeah, I think that they're. They, I'm guessing they were faking it, but like, yeah, you know, to playing along to Ricky Nelson music, and they were already in a band, so they figured they'd have chemistry. And funnily enough, what I just described is exactly what they hired <laughs> uh, the DG boys to do in that uh, where we were directed by Kenny Ortega. There was the lead right. actor on the show was this handsome guy, and then we were brought in to be his band, his less handsome. Band less handsome, but right. as long as not as handsome as the lead, bring those guys in. <laughs> he was he was so short, and then they sat him next to me in this bar scene, and so and my long torso, I was just dwarfing him. So they they literally called in as a prop guy, bring in a man maker. So they brought the apple box, yeah, and for him to man sit maker. on her. Love it, yeah. Hollywood minute. We wanted you to bring in some anonymous actors, and you bring in Kurt Russell. What the hell? <laughs> I, was just, I was just gonna say, like, I was gonna say this from a d- director's megaphone. You, Kurt Russell guy, too handsome. Get out of the shot. <laughs> Move the Kurt Russell guy. He's taking away from the lead. Get get him out. <laughs> uh, God damn it! All right, well there you go. That's Aaron's down. torture. Uh, down by the station by the four preps. <laughs> Got it. <laughs> Thanks. So I would like to take George into the year 1981. Mm, Been there. (laughs) 
And this, I'm going to send you guys some lyrics in a second, which you're probably going to be able to tolerate about four lines. And then you're just, there's a good chance you'll just throw your phone in some water. <laughs> you'll be so angry. But this, this comes from a department. And that department is, take me out to the ball game and then kill me. Wow. I'm killing in this episode. <laughs> in 1981, there was a baseball song? Here we go. Ready? Ready. I take it by your reaction, you know this song. Talking baseball. Yeah, exactly. Is this is this what's is this the welcome back Cotter guy? No, it's not. I'll tell Sounds you all like about it. Him. <laughs> Sounds like Sebastian. Yeah. All right. Well, Aaron already revealed it. So this song is called Talking Baseball, parentheses, <laughs> Willie Mickey and the Duke by <laughs> Superstar Terry Cashman. <laughs> I kind of know this, I think. Now that and, you're yeah, there's there's a good chance just through osmosis you've been exposed to it. I just sent you guys the lyrics, and uh, let's just listen to it for a few minutes um, to enjoy his his take on the uh, on the grand pastime, the great American pastime. Here we go. Rock and roll was being born. Marijuana we would scorn. So down on the shut up. Oh, <laughs> shut up. Yes, already you're right. Marijuana, we would, we would scorn. scorn. On the corner, the national pastime went on trial. We're talking baseball. Klazuski, Campanella, talking baseball. The first one, the first person you name is Klazuski? What <laughs> <laughs> the fuck are you talking about? Anyone got a rhyme for Klazuski? <laughs> exactly. What are you talking? You're putting yourself in the dumbest hole ever. <laughs> Klazuski. I need you guys, as we kind of like emotionally make our way through this song, I need you guys to help me figure out why I hate fucking boomers talking about baseball. Because we've had Billy Crystal do it. I mean, he didn't do it in his song necessarily, but that was his big shtick in the 80s and probably still is. Yeah. Billy Joel. Br- Billy Joel. Billy uh, Joel with the Mickey Mantle. The Mets Mantle. and the Dodgers and Mickey Mantle, yeah. Any guy who cared that the Dodgers left Brooklyn for LA can just kindly shut the fuck up please about it or you could even care and then later that day get to a point where you go well there you go yeah <laughs> i mean i baseball probably meant a lot more to kids and stuff back in the 1950s or something Nothing i get it do. i'm not right. i'm yeah. not a monster but i can't i don't know why this bo- these these guys being so fucking nostalgic it's just cuz they're nerds it's it's nerdy it's the celebration of nerd culture in this case it's baseball you know, it could be, you know, you collect stamps or something. If some guy did a fucking song about collecting stamps like this, I would I would just want to hit him with my shoe until we were both crying. <laughs> <laughs> so here we go. Here's some more of uh, Terry Cashman's Talking Baseball. The man and Bobby Fella, the scooter, the barber and the nuke. Who cares? Who fucking cares? <laughs> About each one of those guys, like there's three notables, and the yeah. rest are like the dudes he liked on the Reds. Like, who gives yeah, a fuck? I don't recognize any name here so far except Campanella. It's yeah. The only one. <laughs> May I remind you that Aaron had brought up a good question when we started. There was a baseball song in 1981. Now, were you joking that you knew what song it was, or you were really surprised? No, I was. I was joking that it was besides the. Uh, I was going to joke that it was the uh, the Dodgers. We are the champions. Eighty-one song. Oh, right, yeah, that's oh. what I was thinking of. Yeah. Okay, I see what you're saying. But uh, yeah, this is. But to go back to what I was saying, 
this guy's talking about baseball players that now are like 30 years gone, you know? Right, right. right. Yeah. And he's also got a dumb sort of like not professional voice, I would say. <laughs> yeah. He sounds like it's your cousin singing who's got a guitar. And he's like, it's very pleasant to hear my cousin sing. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. that's the attitude you'd have about it. <laughs> but it's not a professional. It's not, it doesn't have a professional voice. Uh, that's all. I, I that's love it. It's like, it's, it's for the family. Like, oh, fuck, man. Don't don't let Donnie have that third beer. He's going to yeah. do his fucking baseball song. <laughs> oh, fuck. He's, no, he's getting the guitar. He's getting the guitar. It's too late. It's too what, late. Is he a bad singer? Bad, bad voice? No, he makes bad choices. He gets he gets five fingers into the cutty. <laughs> he wants to do his baseball song. He'd be a crybaby about Campanella. He's working on one about basketball. <laughs> now, can I can I regale you guys with a picture of our friend Terry? Yes, sure. Picture this guy's face while you're listening. They knew him all from Boston to Dubuque. It looks like it looks like it looks like uh, Father Guido Sarducci and Art Garfunkel slam together. <laughs> if you t- if you told me this was uh, this was Mister uh, your asshole drama teacher, I would believe you. That's what it looks like to me. Wait, like your asshole drama teacher. Or- it's Father Guido Garfunkel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, his voice. To- all I could think of was like because this is all wrapped up in the same the same kind of zeitgeist which is you guys i don't know if you guys have ever seen the ken burns baseball documentary sure like yeah, yeah five yeah. episodes or something yeah and I, I just picture his voice is like if ken burns decided like like he's gonna start throwing his his big dick his big documentary energy around and going hey guys <laughs> i'm gonna write and sing the theme song for this so uh stand back here we go have you ever sang before no no <laughs> <laughs> But I'm huh. Ken Burns, and it's my documentary. <laughs> and who's going to push back the the house frows at PBS? <laughs> yeah, Let's do this. I got to admit, got to tell you guys, I'm not threatened by you. I am PBS. I am PBS. <laughs> I am PBS. Guess what? With me, you raise two million dollars a month. Without me, you raise a dollar <laughs> <laughs> to get my phone number back and call me. Uh oh, and I want to change the name to Public Burns Service. <laughs> All right, come on. Especially Willie, Mickey, and the Duke. All right, so I know Willie Mays and I know uh, Mickey Mantle. I don't know who the fuck the Duke is. Duke, yeah, Duke Snyder? Uh, Duke Snyder, yeah. Something, it's from the Gas House Gang and the Cardinals or something? Or? I don't know. Yeah. I don't know, yeah. I, I kind of yeah, know. I'll tell you what, though. About. Who gives a shit? I know. I was going to say, George, you may know or may not know, but do you care? Oh, not at all. It's all those names. I only know it because, remember... um. Because Field of Dreams is all these kind of names like this. Yeah. That's Mel Ott and blah, 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 and whatever. And yeah, right. <laughs> Those yeah. are older guys. But yeah, it's the same as the shoeless Joe Jackson in them. Right. But like yeah. they, this was the, the reason I know it is that it was the, are, are you going to say, are you, I don't know. I'm not going to fuck around with your, the research you did. I'll leave it alone. Uh, yeah. I got more to say about this song. So do it. All right. Well, let's, we'll I continue hear on it from a little you. bit. We'll get through the next verse and then I'll talk a little bit more about Baseball. it. Well, Casey was winning. Hank Aaron was beginning. All right. At this point, you're just like, oh, God, this guy's got a whole other verse of this shit. God, there's, a, there's just, oh, Jesus Christ. It goes on forever. <laughs> one Robbie going out, one coming in. What does that mean? Is he, what is does he that sad? Mean? Is he sad now? <laughs> Robbie someone's retiring and Robbie someone else is coming. I don't know if it's a last name or a first name. I don't know. Yeah. And again, I have no idea. who gives a shit? Who and gives nobody, a shit? 
there's probably like four baseball players in the history of baseball that anyone cares about. <laughs> and and well, then, Hank Aaron's one of them, and he said it. So. Hank Aaron and you know Babe Ruth, I guess, would be another one. And and then they all started doing steroids. You just didn't give a shit anymore. Right. You well, uh, also, I, it's, I, the thing that I, that's, uh, I'm going to say resonating, but, uh, you know, just knocking me out here is that, uh, isn't it? It feels like this is, is this right around when short people came out and Randy Newman was becoming. I feel like there's that going on. Because that's what it sounds like to me. That's a good call. A shit version. It's a singer songwriter. uh, Yeah, with the ironic, funny songs mm -hmm. about culture and, you know what I mean? Adding details. Adding details like Randy would add, but without any kind of humor or dryness. He's being like wistful. That's not funny. Yeah. And it kind of sounds like him, right? It kind of sounds a little bit like him, right? As much as that guy can have any character, right? In his it's, voice. Like a this shit, like, it's like a D version of a Randy Newman. Is what this, <laughs> this guy thinks that cinnamon toast is spicy. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That's what this is, right? I mean, that's what I'm. I swearing. think you're right. Yeah, 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 yeah. And that's right when Randy Newman, like short people's, like what, seventy eight or something. Yeah, was, uh, little criminals came out in the in the late seventies. Yeah, yeah, so it was that's, right that's what this is. That's what they're. Someone signed this asshole, and he's got yeah. that great baseball song. Sweeping. Did it? How, what's the charts on this, uh, Damon? Um, well, here's the thing: it didn't chart really at all. It, it had it was minorly successful on the adult contemporary chart. But what ended up happening was it was adopted by the entire fucking baseball community to the point where this guy rewrote lyrics for virtually every major league team. Oh, so, they played so, it at the stadium and they, assholes yeah. sang it in the seventh inning stretch and whatever. Yeah, and he <laughs> became known as the balladeer of baseball. Fuck off. I want to punch you in the face when you say that. <laughs> <laughs> balladeer of fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> so so i listened to a couple just to you know kind of get a sample of of them and I, I got to like the orioles and the tigers and i just went i'm fucking out of here because it's even more boring because he's talking about these these players from the beginning of like the 1800s from the baltimore yeah. orioles imagine getting right. that responsibility like you've got to write it like I almost feel sorry for me. Oh my god! Now I got to do this about the Mariners. <laughs> right. <laughs> and by the way, no one oh knows anything. No one yeah, knows know. anyway. You could go. It's like the clip and the cooch and the beach and the pooch. Da, 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 da. You can say anything you want. There's no Wikipedia. You can't do it easy. You've got to know how to do it. You got to have baseball cards and fucking around. And- Cutting yeah. yourself with the plastic. So, so to answer your question, no, it wasn't a hit. What an asshole! But it became like an even bigger hit by kind of not being a hit. You know, it just became this kind of um, word of mouth thing, and, and major to the point now. And then the, the, a very famous version of it was um, the Simpsons did a, a parody of it with the same guy singing. By the way, they got him in to sing, and it was called. Oh, Talking he was available, Damon. <laughs> yeah, believe it or not, <laughs> they called his agent wow. and lucky. But yeah, he was I'm lucky. <laughs> he did a version. It was an episode where Homer joins the the power plant softball team, and then they play against all these ringers uh, at the time. Like I can't even think of them: Daryl Strawberry and a bunch of other people. Right, it's a okay. very famous episode, and they and he does one called Talking Softball, and it's and even with a room full of Simpsons writers, they couldn't make this song interesting or funny or clever. <laughs> It was still, I tried to listen to that one. I just went, I just don't fucking care. And I love the Simpsons. Well, it's a fucking limp noodle of a song, you know? Like, there's nothing, like, who cares? Like, you just don't care. It's not clever. Yeah. His voice is lame and, and bland. 
Yeah, there's a line coming up. There's- do you have a line I can do to get through this? <laughs> what 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 maniac writes a song that involves Mel Parnell? <laughs> we start in the 1880s and we go to the 1980s. What the hell? What? Why? <laughs> Mel Parnell. I don't even think Mel Parnell's family remember his name. <laughs> I just I just pictured like an old like an old grandpa at the at the at the ball game with his family and like he goes oh, this one guy that goes just still alive oh Mel Parnell <laughs> he says on the back of his shirt ask me about Mel, Mel Parnell Par- it's it's your Abe it's your Abe Vigoda guy from coughing <laughs> oh god <laughs> pop they said Mel Parnell <laughs> I know I heard it uh, all right come on. Kiner and Midget Goodell, the Thumper and Mel Parnell, and Ike was the only one winning down in Washington. Now that's his cheeky little line about how the Washington, what were they, the Washington senators, senators or something? Senators sucked. They, how they and never won. And so Ike, he's referring to the president winning an election. That's his great joke for that. So now line. we're in 1956, I guess, yeah, right. roughly. <laughs> okay, right? Yeah, like what's he doing? What this song came out in 1981? Yeah, who cares? Well. Working our way through, but here come the 60s next, I'm guessing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm talking baseball, Klazuski, Campanella, talking baseball. <laughs> hey, I want you to put this into frame of reference uh, from, from earlier tonight. This was five years before the bitch of Berlin. <laughs> 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 I, I would love. I would love if if the bitch had become a hit, but it went to number two because it got kept out of number one by talking baseball. <laughs> <laughs> like it, it got revived because of Johnny Bench. <laughs> talking George White and Bingo, Russ and all the guys. <laughs> so, so here we go. Let's carry on here. And Bobby Fella, the scooter, the barber. Oh, and by the way, some of these people he's mentioning. Yeah, it's a lot of obscure baseball players no one gives a shit about. But he even incorporated some of his buddies from when he was a kid who loved baseball with him. So I forget which is which. Scooter might have been one of them or something. But he's he's going that obscure into his buddies. That he's right. like singing to them, like winking to his dumb friends who watched baseball with him. Yeah, like yeah. you got to have a little bit more chutzpah and more of a career to have fun with your career. You should still be in the scared shitless point of your career. And you're just fucking around with Mel Parnell. Here's the other thing that bothers me too is that so he names all these people in the in the verses and then a bunch more people in the chorus. So it's confusing. When he started going into this again, I thought, God damn it, why is he naming these people? Oh, this is the chorus. I didn't know that because you don't it's not listed again in the lyrics here. It's just, oh, okay. Oh Fuck. yeah. Yeah. So that's yeah. the chorus with all these with Klazutsky and Beluski and all that. And the, Campanella, yeah. Yeah, that's the chorus. Okay. Yeah. Rand the Duke. They knew them all from Boston to Dubuque. Especially Willie. Mickey and the Duke. And and so the only reason I'm making you keep listening to this is because then they, he gets into the into the 80s, the modern players at the time. Yeah, I see that coming. Which gets even more <laughs> aggravating to me. I don't know why. <laughs> now my old friend, the bachelor, well, he swore he was the old... Yeah, he's got like a Stephen Bishop voice, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, without it, but but it's weak. Yeah. It, you it know, does he sound like just a it. guy. Aaron's right. Like your, your cousin Jim or what? Yeah. yeah. He's just a guy. 
He's just a guy. And people go, man, it's pleasant when he sings. It really is pleasant. Yeah. But he's not professional. When when an actor... An actor who doesn't really sing, like Richard Dreyfus or something, has to sing in a movie. <laughs> right. You're like, that's pleasant. He clearly went, you know, he went in Juilliard. He had to do vocal lessons. Yeah. Right. But he never yes. had to worry right. about that again. <laughs> right. You know. <laughs> he can carry a tune. You know? yeah. yeah. No, he's fine. <laughs> what? Home a kid. And Cookie played hooky. Go and see the Duke. And me, I always love Willie May. Those were the this one bothers me because it's it's he changed the melody or something. There's a bridge. It's a little yeah. different. It's like a break or something or a bridge or it was a bridge. Right. Yeah. And you can so it's it's also showcasing his weakness is getting thinner. Like he was already <laughs> he was already thin as a gossamer. Yeah. <laughs> All right, I, I reiterate that I, I it bothers me that they that now they're again. It's just a bunch of names, and even though he's it's phrasing a little differently, or it all sounds the same. Because it's just a bunch of fucking names. Yeah. I yeah. guess this is the part, the part where he's singing about his friends. Like, Cookie played hooky. He goes, and then I also like the fact that he's saying, well, as for me, I always love Willie Mays. Yeah, you and seven billion other people who were baseball <laughs> fans at the time. Yeah, my guy was Willie Mays. Fuck off. You're right. He's one of the five guys everyone knows. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> if you had any balls, you'd be into Mel Parnell. <laughs> That guitar tone is the equivalent of his voice. (laughs) (laughs) Well, now it's the 80s, and bread is the greatest. Was that some video game noise? I think so. (laughs) Yeah, I think so. God, fuck you. Fuck you. Oh, because it's the 80s. He's trying to play a digital thing. (laughs) Pac-Man noise. (laughs) (laughs) Can we get the Pac Mag noise? No, it's yeah. it costs three hundred thousand dollars. Okay, just do a regular noise then. <laughs> <laughs> get Daryl Dragon in here with his Moog. <laughs> <laughs> He's four hundred thousand dollars. <laughs> All right. And Bobby Bonds can play for everyone. Roses at the vet. Rusty again as a Met. Shut up. At least I know who some of these people are. George Brett, Bobby Bonds, Pete Rose, right? Yeah. That's what I think it is, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I don't know Rusty, and I don't know Alexander. I don't know yeah. those. I don't care to. <laughs> I don't, yeah. <laughs> and stay and great Alexander is pitching again in Washington. I'm talking baseball. Like Reggie Quees and Ben, we're talking baseball. Carew and Gaylord Perry, Siva, Garby, Schmidt, and by the blue. And it's no fluke. They'll be with Willie, Mickey, and the Duke. Willie. Okay, he just keeps saying Willie and Mickey and the Duke. God, I want to shave his mustache off and his hair. <laughs> and much, finish the baldness and shave his whole fucking head. I just. I'll tell you a little bit, a bit about him. Um, he, Terry Cashman was a. Believe it or not, a professional songwriter. Oh, I can tell that. <laughs> yeah, he he did a bunch of stuff. The, the song that, he, that is probably the most well-known of his entire career is from the 60s, a song by Spanky and our gang. Um, Sunday will never be the same. Do you guys remember that one? No. No. <laughs> That's one of those bands that I go... Oh, that's a thing? That was the thing. I, I come across that like once every couple of years. Spanky right. and our gang. Yeah. Oh, no. 
Yeah, yeah that's that was a pretty famous song in the sixties. There's uh, like a, a Mama Cash gal in for that sure. band for right? sure. Yeah, they mm-hmm. were a, kind of like a Mama's and Papa sound like. And then uh, he wrote a bunch of other songs for other people. And then the song he did with a with another guy, they had. I don't want to confuse you guys, but it was listed either as Cashman West or the Buchanan Brothers. And the song you, you if you guys have seen Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, you've mm-hmm. you've heard this song, Son of a Loving Man. Oh yeah, yeah yeah. Which is the scene where Sharon Tate is dancing with everyone by the pool at the Playboy Mansion. Yeah, I love that yeah. song. They're dancing to that song, and that's that's Cashman and West. Um, so you know he had kind of a minor career, but certainly a li- it was, seems to be making a living out of it. And then you know wrote this stupid fucking song. Oh, there's a Cashman mansion somewhere here in Los Angeles, probably <laughs> right. ten minutes from where I am. It's in his name. <laughs> Cash is in his name. Yeah. Fuck. So I was th- like, I was trying to figure out like why it bothers me. We kind of got into it before about like I don't want to hear about people's fucking hobbies. I, you know what I mean? It's like. This song would annoy me as much if I came up with a couple that would just kind of like would annoy me on the same level. We're talking Star Wars, Han and Luke and Leia, right? <laughs> oh my God, you're right. Like that had to have been so much fucking morning DJs must have done that with right. movies yeah. of the day yeah. at the time. That's terrible. What an awful way to spend drive time. It would just aggravate me on the same level if someone like a kid at my school was singing that right. or like... Um, your aunt, who's who's really into baking. We're talking baking, <laughs> pies and cakes and muffins. George would just want to kill somebody. Oh, my God. Well, and also, you know you that all... that's like essentially what Billy Joel was doing with We Didn't Start the Fire. Like, that's this is what his I was, asinine yes, version. Right. Long yeah. lists of shit no one cares yeah. about. But look, I did I did find one online that I thought was interesting. It's, it's a short one. I'll play it for you. And uh, it's about a subject we care about. So check this out. We're talking get mouse, number one rockers forever. Talking get mouse, pointless podcast endeavor. Civil War reenactments with John Pickles. R and B club with Aiello in his pickle. Get Aaron, Damon and George. Yeah, so I thought that one was was pretty good. God, you sound as good as he does. <laughs> your, your voice you did, is so it, much more. It, it took you five minutes, right? Or whatever. Yeah, I, he makes you sound like Barry White, though. Dan. He does. You, you very, I thought for a minute it was legitimate. Voice. I'm like, this is, that is Luther Vandross. Good. What did <laughs> Marvin Gaye did a talking baseball song about the Gitmos? You sound easily as good as him. easily. <laughs> uh, I, how, how could I not do a talking Gitmo song? <laughs> It's beautiful. Oh, God. <laughs> I think that's all I have about it. I mean, just the lyrics are, are terrible. It's indulgent. It's it's weird when indulgence masks as for the masses. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, like I'm, do, I'm saying this because you all know it too, right? And this is even worse because, as you say, half of them are, as, are inside jokes. So it leaves you going, what? What is this? Right. But everybody loves baseball. Shut up. <laughs> right, right. Oh, my God. What an asshole. And the other, the only person I could think to compare him to is Bobby Boris Pickett, who just kept doing monster songs. <laughs> and this guy just did baseball songs his whole life with the same melody. Just, you know, You're just better changing. than this, Bobby. <laughs> I wish it. Wish I wish this. I wish Terry choked himself on cocktail onions, <laughs> <laughs> on baseballs. 
Cocktail onions the size of baseballs. <laughs> he soaks them. He soaks them in the extra juice from the cocktail onions. <laughs> oh. That's his trick for throwing a curveball. <laughs> That's what I do. Is <laughs> oh fuck. All right. Well, I got I uh, this. This is a uh, this is an easy decision for me. That song pisses me off <laughs> way more than Aaron's story is very compelling, and I think we make it and fantastic short. Aaron, you should think about shooting that. It's a fantastic take on that song, but it's not objectionable without your explanation, particularly. And and, and, and Jamin's is just flat out. I, I hate it. it I'm, I'm mad. <laughs> <laughs> You're right to feel that way too, because mine is a mine is a fantasy, and this is a reality. It is right. a real. It's too much yeah. of a reality. Too yeah. much fucking yeah. perspective. <laughs> All Yay! right, I'm gonna grab that brass ring right now. Face ball, face ball, face ball, ball, ball. Mickey, Mickey, Duke, 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 <laughs> Duke, 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 Duke. The Bachelor. <laughs> the Bachelor. I don't know. Mel who Parnell. Mel Parnell. <laughs> uh, uh, hey, by the way, so you know that right now with with that win, Damon, after yeah. forty eight episodes, we are even Steven at, at sixteen, I think. Are we? Everyone has sixteen. Everyone has wow. sixteen. Nice. Yeah. nice. We're all either equally good or bad at this game. I haven't yes, figured it out yet. <laughs> even. We're evenly matched. We're evenly good or bad. I mean good or bad. So, all right, that was a, a, a lovely visit down to uh, to this torture chamber where I believe the guy from the four perps stores his bodies. <laughs> oh, yeah. Or at least the, the, the certain parts. Yeah, certain parts. The heads that talk to him and stuff. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> <laughs> and so we need to get someone down there to clean up the, the crime scene. And, uh, and all the baseballs. <laughs> <laughs> opening a door like like you can imagine that with that dude getting out of his car he just opens the door it's like blah, blah, blah. It's fucking baseballs yeah, it's like bowling <laughs> balls in a fucking hall closet but it's baseballs <laughs> <laughs> catchers may hit you in the head ow <laughs> well let's get on the horn with the uh the majel bear brit crime scene cleaning service <laughs> and see what she has to say about this this ugliness we've just witnessed <laughs> Sorbet. Purify. Yes, we need it. We definitely need to purify this this ugly, ugly scene. So, George, it's now Sorbet o'clock. It is Sorbet o'clock, and, uh, and I think you guys will know this right away. Um, I'll have a few things to say about it, but I think you'll know it right away and like it. So, Should I start it? Right yeah, away? let it roll. Let it roll. All right. Here we go. Aaron, do you know what this is? It's rocking, dude. It's rocking. It's a good choice, George. Even it up, part. <laughs> yeah. Even it So rad, dude. Christ. It is. It's a rad song. I got. It's I great know- of you, George, to bring to show people what Heart's all about after that bullshit we heard. Yes, I kind of, I kind of felt ago. that. I, I, I yeah. listened to, I listened to this and a few others, and I'm like, fuck, this is a rad song. And then I read about the background of it, which I didn't know. And so we'll listen a little more, and I'll tell you some, some stuff about it. 
Aaron, just because it was a hit doesn't mean you have to call Bitch of Berlin bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> it's not very nice to do to your fellow Gitmo bro. That's true. It's, it's an true. open forum. It's an open forum. <laughs> you know, you also saved, you also liberated Kiss from the uh, from the torture, torture chamber, right. too. I did. Yeah. I did. Yeah. You're the great savior. The great savior of 70s acts. <laughs> we'll put him down there, but you know what? We'll bring him up. Guys, I got to admit something here. Like, why don't I know this song? Or do am I going to recognize the you chorus? Know you know, yeah, you'll know it. You'll okay, got it. I think once right. this was yeah, a FM I'm just not grabbing the, in, the intro sounds fantastic because yeah. I love, especially this era of heart. Yeah. Um. Mm-hmm. Uh. But uh, maybe I'll grab the chorus once it comes up. Here we go. Very Carsy sounding. Does, is yeah, this right. Cars? It Cars by way of glammy. Almost, they sound sort of like it could be sweet. It's sort of yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah, now that I listen to this, like, and think back to our heart episode for the uh, for the torture, yeah, it was probably just the the you know dichotomy of the, of these two different versions of heart. Like that song is sucks about Raw Dog Cliff and everything, right. but it's also like such a fucking drop off the cliff from this great heart stuff, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, the nuts that they had as a great rock and roll. This could be Tube Snake Boogie. You know, like this, yeah. it, it's, it could almost be that it could almost be glam. It could also, you know, it could be off of the first one or two, uh, kiss records. Like there's a, it's, there's sort of a, a slimy rock and roll bar band happening here. What, what I, uh, what, and it's funny you said nuts, Aaron, um, because th- what, what is, what this song is, what I was, uh, interested in was that this is, if you listen to the lyrics, this is, a, they're saying, even it up, make it even, you know, that's what the, the song's about that Michael, Roger and Michael Fisher who talk about a fucking Fleetwood Mac movie they should have had here. So I'd forgotten that. So Ann and Nancy, sisters, start dating Roger and Michael Fisher, who, and they're all in the band together now for eight or nine years. They're in heart together. So think of being on the road and everything with that dynamic. Sisters and brothers involved with each other, and you're on the road in a rock band. And this was the last last record the guys were on, and the girls got rid of them. And this is really, this song is a declaration of... Get the fuck out of here! Is oh. what this is. They're saying, even it up. You've you've done all this stuff and and everything. You want me to do for you, but you don't do for me. Is what this right. song's about. Right. You kick you out of the, your get you lose your meal ticket. Yeah, and and and, and but what you're but this was the, the really this is off of nineteen eighty and Babyless Strange, and it's about and it's this really was the last time they sounded like a seventies band. And then they had a couple of rough years and had to come back with all of the, you know, um, How Can I Refuse and those songs that were written by Holly Knight and, you know, when they just got the New Deal on Capitol and, you know, and all that happened and turned into the stuff that you guys did. I liked some of that stuff, but turned into some of the stuff we've made fun of. But this was the mm-hmm. last really hurrah of 1970s heart. Yeah, you. that was yeah. what I was, I was going to yeah. mention was, yeah. you know... I'm glad Anne and Nancy got to sort of emotionally compartmentalize yeah. that their their lives and get rid of those guys. But guess what? Granted, they had huge hits, maybe even bigger than their '70s hits. But boy, is it me or are did they just are they missing those two guys in the band? Musically? Yeah, maybe. Yeah, 
Maybe that, there's there's a great there's a great video somewhere on YouTube I haven't seen it in a while though of of them fighting on stage and the guitar player I think was Roger just takes his he starts yelling at, I think at at Nancy and just throws his guitar down and smashes it on stage and just walks off oh, in the middle of a show. Oh, and God. so was was the the brothers were they the the guitar and the drum and drummer the gu- yeah guitar and drummer I believe yeah yeah because this drummer the guitarist and the drummer in the classic hard stuff are so fucking good yeah. Like, I'm just loving it. So that's just the poor bass player is the only sap who's not involved. Yeah. (laughs) He's like, fucking hell, dude. Why do you got to fire me, too? I wasn't banging you guys. (laughs) What the hell? I didn't cause any problems. But but anyway, I got a few more things to say, but but keep playing some more. Okay, cool. Because it's kind of (laughs) long. Shoot you, my love. This one must have slipped through the cracks for me because I'm not recognizing it. And, and got, you guys are hearing the horns and stuff in the back? Yeah. That's what's fucking killing me. And I didn't know this, but I've heard this song forever. And I always thought this was the greatest song Aerosmith never did. Like, this <laughs> sounds like an Aerosmith. Like, they yeah. would have been on Toys in the Attic or, or Rocks or one of those with some of the – they used horns sometimes. Like The other band song. that had – had, but they, they had the same exact formula – yeah, they but did. had the same guys and and fell off the edge of the cliff from a grimy rock and roll beast yeah. that they were. They stopped being that, and you know, more power to them, I guess. And had the second career coming. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. But but I didn't know this. So oh, um, you know who you know what horn section that is? Oh, nothing. Tower the power. Tower of Power. Yeah, <laughs> oh, wow. that's Tower of Power. I was just going to guess that. Is yeah, that I, they have a Bay Area connection, Hart, right? Are they from up there? No, from Seattle. Seattle. They're from Seattle. Seattle? I, I couldn't – there was no information on why they used Tower of Power. I guess they used them on, on – they did a cover of Tell It Like It Is, which I thought, like you, Damon, I'm like, I've never heard Hart doing – and I, I didn't realize that's – I thought it was – I know the, the cover, Tell It Like It Is, by the – who's that by? Not Neville the spinner. Brothers. By who? Neville Brothers. Yeah, yeah Neville Brothers. And, and I knew that and – and I realized when I listened, and the Tower of Power was on that with them, and I guess that gave them the idea to put them on this. And I was like, "Oh, tell it like it is." Like I didn't even I heard the version, and I didn't even know that was Heart because it's sort of a generic. I don't. You guys ever hear that version of it? I think mm-hmm. I have. Yeah. Yeah, it's not. It was a hit, but it wasn't great. And I was like, "I'm not oh. interested in hearing Heart do old R and B covers." No, I'm not. And and but then they did. They were on this, and then some other song in 1990 that was on that. Uh, album Brigade, which I don't remember much about, but it's that's why this. I mean, it's already a rocking tune, and you add Tower of Power to it. I mean, Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Huey Lewis said that if you're going to use a, a horn section, you use the Tower of Power. Right. So, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's just, that's it's the answer. The and if you could afford them, and if you could find them, they're like the 18. Yeah. And I guess if your heart, you can get them. <laughs> if you right, can yeah. find them, yeah. If you can find them, yeah. Yeah. Do you know where they are? Uh, th- that's fucking awesome, dude. That I, I had no idea that they. Uh-uh. I don't even know that I knew there was a horn section in the song, and then uh, that, let alone that it was fucking T.O.T. Yeah, power, power. All right, see you a little more. Fucking rad. I feel like. Anne was listening to some Chrissy Hind as well. 
Yeah, it's got that snarl to it, doesn't it? Yeah. yeah. And she even <laughs> yeah. in this, this album cover, um, she's sort of dressed like Chrissy Hine. She's got yes. a very Chrissy look. Yeah, that hair and everything. You're right. I didn't think and, of that. You're and right. And that coat she's wearing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Now, Nancy's known for her acoustic playing. I'm assuming she plays electric, too. Oh, yeah, a lot. Was, yeah. was she doing a lot of riffs and stuff, or was she just sort of hanging on the rhythm? Do you guys know? She, she hangs on the rhythm as far as I as far as far I know, yeah. But she has, she, I think she can play lead, but she generally is more of a rhythm player. Right, Aaron? That's my, it was always yeah. my impression of the dynamic. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, she can do some serious finger-picky uh, acoustic stuff, so one would assume that she that would translate you know, pretty well. I mean, maybe not perfectly. Yeah. <laughs> She's not going to be just rock up there, rocking a fucking sweet fat G, you know, she, she, can do, she can do interesting middle of the next shit. Right. Yeah. Now, was this too, like, one of these album tracks that became popular on, like, KLOS and stuff? It did, but it was a single, though, too. Oh, was it? D- d- oh, yeah. And how big did it get? Uh, it, did, it did pretty good, because that was the thing, too. I kind of thought, I I think I came to know this like you did, um, Damon, when I thought more of it was an album track. I was sort of surprised to find out that it was a single. I didn't grow up with this album being in in my parents collection so i knew about it. i had to, that means i only would have known about it, nor did i have older siblings so i would have uh only heard it on like KMT KLOS i think KLOS would play it a lot 33 and billboard hot 100 hmm what were the hits on this album the big hits um was uh, i think tell it like it is is on this record mm. is the uh is the only other one that was a uh was a hit off Baby Lestrange. Although I do like the song Baby Lestrange. I do like that song. Um, yeah, sorry, sorry. I'm, I'm, uh, what you call it isn't on this. Tell it like it is, it's not on this record. Baby Lestrange is a hit. In fact, this is the first single off this record. And the second hmm. was called Raised on You, which I've never heard. And I remember Baby Lestrange and I like that song. But yeah, interesting. Let's hear some more. Sure. say this was 1980 yeah i gotta say i feel like they're going going head first into into what was considered new wave at the time cars sounds, and pretenders sounds like it huh sometimes yeah, yeah for sure because yeah. yeah. there's i'm not sensing a lot of hard rock 
uh, trickery going on here. It's it's a lot of it, to me. It's a lot of like, oh, the guitar solo sounds like James Honeyman Scott, and the drums sound like the Cars, and you know. Well, that's it, it, what's what's good about this song. Also, I didn't really realize realized it till Aaron said that it, it could be. It, it could also be like he said. It could be ZZ Top. It could be Aerosmith. It, and you're hearing new wave in it. There's so much yeah. in it that, and then there's a torn section from Tower of Power. Yeah, and you know when you think of heart, you don't think of it really a song like this. Really, there are other songs. I mean, some of it's folk rock and some of it's just straight hard rock, barracuda, etc. Mm-hmm. And that's why it stands out to me. Is uh, and also their declaration. I love that line. Uh, you think you can decide the how and the where and the when? You think you can even it up? <laughs> I love that part of him telling this. They're telling the guys right there, like, get the fuck out. Yeah, <laughs> and these dummies, like. If you're gonna, and of course, I'm I'm sure cocaine had nothing to do with any of their behaviors back then, <laughs> but um, like, dude, you gotta understand, you're a great guitar player, you've contributed a lot to heart songs and stuff, but you realize that those two aren't going anywhere. So for you to kind of have hissy fits on stage and I'm out of here, they're just gonna go, okay, bye. <laughs> I mean, fuck, you know? imagine that though, being involved with that. I mean, just the, the sister dynamic, then a brother dynamic, and then yeah. they're all in a relationship together. Aaron and I did get involved with that. <laughs> <laughs> we had we had this. You're painting a lot of what's going on. Oh shit! Minus the moment the interpersonal the relationships. Yeah. yeah. yeah well, I mean, it was enough that they were all related without me, but then Damon and I were related in our way. So like, it, it was heavy. Yeah. <laughs> it's heavy, man. It was heavy. So yeah, unlike uh, Fleetwood Mac and Hart, at least they were getting laid. Like we didn't have that dynamic in our band. It was just we had to leave all, rehearsal to do that. All yeah. the fighting and none of the coke <laughs> or or sex or sex, and you guys just were uh, having dinner at El Pollo Loco. <laughs> right, <laughs> two nerds in El Pollo Loco, <laughs> drowning ourselves in a six piece. <laughs> all right. Have you seen live footage of this version of the band? Uh, yes, there's there's so many there, there you can you can go on YouTube and watch them do this in any era. They do it acoustic, okay. they everything. It's in. well, these guys in particular, they're so fucking tight in the studio. I'd I'd be curious to see them live um, to see if it matches up to this because the drummer's just fucking killing it. The guitar player's great. I don't know. The band's so good. I, I I'd be curious to know if they if they nailed it on stage. I'm guessing they did. I didn't I didn't specifically watch. Then I I, saw, I looked through it and I'm like oh these are all, there's they they dug this a lot like it's still part of their stuff you know what's a an interesting thing that um that, that I didn't know this would happen either this is later on in the story obviously but you know so Nancy married um Cameron Crow mm-hmm. and because remember she's the she's the hot girl in the car in uh, Fast Times when um when he's delivering the 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 the, the fish in the uh, in the pirate outfit <laughs> right yeah <laughs> yeah and and um. And so he and uh, her and Cameron have twins, twin boys. And then later on a tour, like I'm going to say in 2012, I think, um, when the kids, when the boys are 16, um, or maybe it was in 2016, but they were anyway, they were 16 years old. And Anne's new husband 
assaults the two twins, like starts hitting them and beating them up (laughs) (laughs) on the bus. And I forget what the offense was, but like he got charged with like aggravated assault and it caused a, a, you know, a schism between the sisters where they've barely healed it now, even like, Oh, she defended her husband. Yeah. And stuck with her husband. And and she said, your husband beat up my sons. Like, Wow, and, and and I thought, God, this what a, what a lot of trouble. This is a good ending to the story. <laughs> the Fisher brothers are going. See, see these fucking bitches. You guys don't know. <laughs> you know what I had to deal with. Even you it up, indeed. <laughs> now you wonder why I threw that guitar down on stage. <laughs> well, that was so funny that the guy salted on a tour bus by 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 her husband. <laughs> yeah. Wow, that's a. That's a whole thing going on. It is. There. It's a whole family thing. So. Yeah. And this uh, and uh, and it goes on like this for a while. Like I don't know how much time's left, but it goes on like this for a while. So we can listen to the whole thing or let it go a little long, little longer if you want. But because yeah. I've gotten, uh, I certainly love it. But go ahead. Okay. Cool. So it's just an instrumental out like that. Yeah, now they they go back to even it up, then they go back to another instrumental, then they break it down, just okay. just to even up with vocals, and then they go out. Okay, cool. Well, you know what I can do is it is in the edit I can just run it out underneath us talking. Sure, but it's a but it's I just love that track so much and the message of it and and and, and just and also heart you know I, you forget I know they're obviously sisters and they sound good together but how good they sound together the vocal quality of similarity to voices but just a little different and it's just great they're just yeah, so it's, good it's almost like when when nancy comes in harmonizing at first you're thinking well that i wonder if that's and is harmonizing to herself it's not but then <laughs> and then you realize like no it, it would it wouldn't sound like that it's got that no. great that great they blend so perfectly together but they're obviously different voices yeah yeah, it's that sibling harmony that, like, you know, yeah. the, the Bee Gees had it, the Kinks had it. I mean, just go down the list of, you know, the the Andrew sisters, you name it. Yeah, the DNA has the same, allows you to have the same vocal cords. I was going to say genetics, yeah. right? Yeah, right. Yeah. right. Yeah. <laughs> the, uh, the other thing is, I, I think, too, that this, you know, in spite of the brothers and everything, I also think a lot about being a kid and they were the only girls in rock really like in heavy rock the way that when you you mentioned kiss aerosmith led zeppelin and heart and the only one you ever mentioned that had girls in it was heart and and they were respected and i i can't but i can't imagine the shit they put up with in that world during that time i don't think it's possible to imagine it. no it's i mean disgusting. it just must be the machismo and the bullshit yeah. and the whatever and it meanwhile was the they wrong can, time to be yeah Women doing it. I mean, Fleetwood Mac got away with it a little because it was like, it was more pop, I think, in, right. my, in, my, yeah. in my imagination that like they floated in this other kind of air and it was not easy for those women either. It couldn't no. have been. But when you sold that many records, you're like, we are, we're, we're beyond sex. <laughs> Our, right. You know, like we right. are this thing. Right. When you're out in arenas with all right. those, that whole road crew and on the road and all that shit. I mean, during that time that had to be, I mean, this song, you can hear some of the, 
sass and the anger in it. Right. I think from that, you know, from and you hear a lot. They were yeah. always showing up on on dates where it's like. You know, playing those goddamn nightmare gigs in the 70s where it was a million degrees out in some goddamn godforsaken speedway. And it was always like, Marshall right. Tucker, uh, Bob Welch. Yeah, right. Like the uh, Hart, Cal Jam 2. You're right. Yeah. yeah, Hart and Ted Nugent. Yeah, right. Yes, exactly. <laughs> like, oh, yep, my God. Totally. Yeah. And it's at Daytona Speedway or whatever, yes. right? Yeah. Yes, it's a yeah. million <laughs> degrees. And like Hart's in there with them. You yeah, know, Nassau Coliseum. Right. <laughs> yeah, second on the bill, you know, like at the worst time. Yep, that's what, and it just, you got to give, uh. and they were always, always laugh because, you know, in the, and it was a big deal to me when I was a kid, Circus Magazine, and the Circus Magazine readers poll, like me mad, like, what do you mean Gene Simmons is the second best bass player? It's bullshit. Like so mad about it. And Hart was always best females because there weren't that many other ones even right. in the hard rock circus magazine category where they were gonna you know blondie wasn't really you know at that time maybe that, pat benatar yeah maybe yeah maybe pat benatar was the only one that really came along that was considered hard rock like they were you know right. but it was but that's why i love this song too i didn't i mean i always knew the lyrics but i didn't know the background to it and then this just it's a tour de force it's a tour de force of the <laughs> <laughs> with the horns it's just incredible those horns i mean yeah. they clearly show yeah it's just they're so right in the pocket and it's just it's just fantastic yeah. i like those that kind of huffy puffy style of horns those big fat deep horns and it's not anything showboaty it's just the occasional it's so tasty and and makes it thick, you know, as opposed to being SNL style, you know. Right, it it's just a thick other rhythm. Uh, yes, yeah, like a rhythm Damon guitar. saxophone um, sensibilities. My right. adversary. <laughs> it's almost like the arrangement was what would Malcolm Young, what would a Malcolm Young horn arrangement <laughs> sound <laughs> like? It right, yeah, right. You know, it's a good point. It's really just tasteful, chunky, yeah. thick, gnarly, riffy. You know, yeah. and smart too, awesome. because a 1980, 14-year-old mm -hmm. George White is not going to be psyched about hearing horns, horns, right, on right. a rock record. You know, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Mm. Automatically, it's Nerd City, and I didn't mean—I always knew there was horns on it, but I didn't realize it was that till three days ago. <laughs> Kick ass! I yeah. love it. Good show, fellas. Good show. <laughs> I loved that sorbet. And, you know, honest, never heard that. Or maybe I've heard it, but it didn't resonate with me. So now I'm yeah. glad to to make its acquaintance, for nice. sure. This, this show's all about bitches. Berlin, heart, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Terry Cashman, the bitch who writes about baseball. Mel, Mel Parnell. Mel Parnell. <laughs> and in girl number two from uh, the, the murder spree. <laughs> The girl in the malt shop or the drugstore? <laughs> the drugstore. The drugstore because she stopped his streak. Right. Exactly. <laughs> Get a good thing going. Get away from me, sir. Get on a train. <laughs> what rhymes with chalk outline? <laughs> my my pretty frau line. <laughs> Back to the bitch of Berlin. That is broadcasting. Professional broadcasting. And that'll do it. <laughs> <laughs> all right boys episode 48 we can put this one away and look forward to seeing everyone on episode 49 next time on ear and loathing we are the gitmo bros number one rockers forever and we're saying goodbye good night ear and loathing bummer in the summer aaron Britt. mom take it easy lower it I don't i'm not gonna lower it i have to do this now i don't mind you playing it but lower it Tune in next time for more Ear and Loathing. End transmission.
goodbye.